Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got to set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming at you with another legend, and this is a good one. We got a 200-inch mainframe 8. Yes. Uh, 200 plus with 16 scoreable kickers. Is that what he said? 14. 14. I can't even count that high. So many. <laughs> Lakey had 22 stickers, um, mass out the the wazoo and tine length. Literally everything that you want in an eight pointer. Um, <laughs> and then more can, that you can ask for. Yeah. And uh, he lays out the story. Um, a lot of good lessons. He ends it real solid. The yeah. ending was super solid. So uh, make sure and stick around for that. Um, real good lesson there. Uh, let's get into the people that make this possible. Start out with a title sponsor, VIP Veteran Broadheads, Combat Veteran. We've been talking about it. A lot of people have been laying down deer with it. Homie's got the chance to lay down a couple. I haven't got to send one yet. I'm uh, pretty excited to hear what song comes out of it. I don't know if he switched it up from the National Anthem <laughs> or if it's going to be something else. But uh, um, you got the VIP Veteran Broadheads shout-out. I do. This week's shout-out is Bruce White. He was in the Army for six years, and he did two deployments overseas. Uh, Bruce, we appreciate your service and um, sacrificing for us here at Whitetail Legacy and the VIP family. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Two deployments, that's a lot. Um, we appreciate your service from uh, from all of us here. Um, let's get into Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. Um, Ingram's uh, buck mount got a little share there and kind of kind of caught some traction. Um the freeze mount, a lot of people were loving that. Um, a lot of people were like, I think this is going to be my next idea. I'm like, hell yes, that's yeah. awesome that people were – when you get a deer with that much history and stuff, it's just like, do you just shoulder mount it or do you, like, bring it back to life, you know, of something that you remember that deer doing, and that's what we tried to do. You know, we mean you kind of got that idea together, you yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, that, that – it worked out perfect. And when you, you look at him in the corner, he looks like he's, like, coming out of the wall about rubbing on that <laughs> thing. So I thought it would be sick if you could mount it on the wall and then yeah. coming out. But he caught some traction. So um, all your taxidermy needs, Ingram's Outdoor Obsession, turkeys, 
I got. I'm gonna pick that mink up there eventually. Are There's you? gonna be a black <laughs> mink in here on the wall or something. Well, you need to quit getting freezers so you run out of space yeah. eventually. So you get, have to get it out yeah. of there. That's what I need to do. I just keep piling more freezers in the garage, thinking that I'm gonna kill more deer, <laughs> but ain't working out. Um, let's get into uh, uh, Embry Custom Woodworkings um, ECW. Um, like I said, that outdoor range is in effect. I can't wait to this spring go down there, shoot some shoot some 3D targets. Um, he said he's gonna have some. Uh, battleship a battleship game for archery oh nice um, and then also he's gonna do some theme stuff uh halloween he's gonna have some zombie targets and christmas he's gonna have some specialized targets so that's gonna be cool yeah um be cool to get down there and shoot with with jeff and uh just bring roseville a little something they ain't got so um uh let's get sit lock um I don't know what they got coming out new for ATA. I know they got a bunch, so we'll be there. We'll let you guys know. Do you know you can't you can't let anything out, can you? Uh, I don't know if we it, know anything. It's just the infuse. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I'm not gonna say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll let you guys know what they got coming out when we get to ATA. Um. I I think we should try to do a few more videos for our followers. Um. Especially Twitter. I think they yeah. they really like that. We know Average Hunter is gonna be out there. Yep. Putting in work. So. We'll try to tag along with him and, and get some content ourselves. Um, uh, that's it, right? That is. All right, let's get in the show. All right, listeners, we got Justin Bear on. Um, you guys might have seen his buck on social. I know it got a lot of shares. We were blown away by it. Um, killed an absolute giant buck called Stickers. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Justin. Hey, no problem. We had a little bit of time change issues. I got to learn better <laughs> on this, but... Uh, Real big shout out to you for uh, you know working with us and and playing this game. It's it's crazy. You think about talking on the phone for forty five minutes or an hour. It don't really happen unless you're really close friends. And we're just texting out of the blue, like, hey, <laughs> you want to come on? So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Hey, I'll do my best. I'm a I'm a pretty shy person, so I I'm not real big on uh, <laughs> talking in public. Or not. <laughs> Well, that's, this isn't necessarily public, but I guess it will be eventually. Yeah, that's what we say. This we got a face for radio, so um, we can get into the just a little bit about yourself. Uh, introduce you to the listeners. Uh, well, I've lived on uh, this property for. Well, my dad bought it in 1986. Um, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, but my dad bought this in '86 as a weekend place. So we started coming here on the weekends. And then in 1995, we moved here full time, and I've lived here ever since. Since then, my siblings have all moved away, and my parents, so it's just me and my wife and my three kids that live here now. And it's been that way for about 15 years. Nice. So is, this this is in Ohio, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's so yeah. in uh, Tuscarawas County, Ohio, southeast corner. Nice. And... uh <clears throat> So the buck called stickers. Um, when go back to when you very first you got the very first trail can pick of them. The very first, well, let me back up. The very first trail camera picture of him I got, um, where he actually had the stickers. I got one prior to that, but I didn't know it until later on looking back when he was two and a half. Uh, and the only reason I knew it was him, looking back on it now, was. Uh, he was running with the same buck that he showed up with the next year as when he became a three and a half year old, when he got his, I call it a man rack. They usually get their man rack at three and a half. You know, they keep the same style from there on out. They just get bigger. So I ended up, I actually got a picture of him at two and a half running around with a buck that we called the back 88 point. And that's the one we were keeping an eye on. So that was in say like February of was this 19 sub in February of 16 when I still which they had their fifth year 2015 antlers on right so whatever so now we go, get to August I come back from Canada from the camp I run up there check my trail cameras and I'm looking for back 88 pointer so he comes through well then I get a picture of this buck I don't recognize because when he was a two and a half he just looked like your, your regular run-of-the-mill you know, 115 inch, two and a half year old. So I didn't recognize this fucking, it was kind of a blurry picture and he was in velvet, which doesn't help as far as blurry. Cause he, and he was walking. So, you know, 
don't know if you ever, I'm sure you've seen walking trail camera pictures of bucks and velvet. It's kind of blurry. Yeah, it's hard to tell exactly what they are when they're walking, especially at night, man. It's real tough when you get that flare yeah. back at night. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's terrible. And I, this happened to be a daylight picture, but still, it was still blurry. And I noticed he had all kinds of sticker points, or at least I thought so at that point. I, Like I said, it was blurry. So I, it was just a passing glance. So I put some corn right in front of the camera. So within the next few days, I got some pictures of him, you know, standing still, perfect daylight pictures. And that's when I nicknamed him Stickers, because then you could see uh, the actual stickers. It wasn't, it wasn't the blur I was looking at. They were actual stickers. So I knew he had to be three and a half <clears throat> because I'd never seen him before. And bucks don't just, you know, five and a half, six and a half year old bucks don't just show up. Well, he looked like about a 180 inch buck that year because he still had that little, you know, that little three and a half year old body, which makes a rack look enormous. It's like, it's like the Texas deer when you see them on video before guys kill them because they got that little body. They look gigantic. Yeah, they they look wide as hell and yeah. tall, and then they get up there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, okay, that's a nice buck. Yeah, but... major, major ground shrinkage when they get up on them. So I decided right then, okay, he's off the list. We're not killing him. I found his sheds. He was 165 as a three-year-old, which was smaller than he looked on camera, but – but based on the fact I knew he was three and a half, I figured it was probably going to be about that. All my buddies thought that he was going to be, I mean, some of them said 200. I was like, come on, buddy, that's ridiculous. <clears throat> but they don't, they're not around deer every day. City boys. Anyhow, <laughs> I hope this isn't live because I'm going to mess this all up. No, no, it's, no, this is perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. So anyhow, especially my buddy, Chad from Tennessee, He's an over-exaggerator. He gets excited. He's, I sent him the first trail camera picture of this buck standing next to the feeder. And I've got these gigantic feeders. And that's irrelevant. But anyhow, he texts me back, man, that thing will go 200 easy. That's a 17-inch G2. I'm like, okay, e easy, buddy. It's not 17-inch G2, and it's not a 200-inch buck. It's a young buck. We're not shooting. And, of course, i got to convince him. You know, it's a young buck just... Let's see what we can do with him. So we, I started feeding him that year. Well, once it got hard horn, I just kept it with the corn because it doesn't make a bit of a difference until about February. So starting in February, I started feeding him anything that he would eat that was high in protein. Minerals, the whole deal, just to see what I could do with it because I knew he had potential, you know. Anyhow, found his sheds, 165. Next year rolls around. I know he's four and a half. He comes in. I watch him all summer or watch him off. Took him off the list. My buddy, Chad, that same Chad I'm talking about from Tennessee. He got him on video uh, one day. Hunting up, we call it the back 80. That's the, an 80 acre parcel that is in the back of the property that uh, the, it corners up with the main property here. But we, I pretty much put the back 80 off limits last year because I didn't want anybody to spook stickers to another property does that make sense i don't want to put pressure back there oh yeah yeah, yeah that's great man if you're trying to grow a deer so we, like that and see what he can do yeah and i knew he was already frequenting the other properties because it's only 80 acres so anyhow we didn't we didn't i gotta back up at three and a half i videoed him and uh my buddy chad's uncle videotaped him the same year on the with our phones while we were hunting so 2000 18 last year when he was four and a half my buddy chad like i said videotaped him that was the only videotape the only sighting we got of him other than trail camera but it's because we weren't hunting back there so i found his sheds he was roughly 185 i scored his sheds couldn't believe the mass he looked actually smaller at four and a half on camera than he did at three and a half because his body had gotten so much bigger but he was actually 20 inches you know scored 20 inches more roughly so fast forward to this year, I guess it was this year I found a sheds, February of this year. So let's go up to June. June, I, I have to go up to camp in May, right? Because I got to go open everything up. You know, I start getting guests coming in. Well, my son, who was a sophomore this year, 
had a football camp in June, a one-week football camp. So I drove back from Canada with him, checked my trail cameras, boom, there he was. You know, you couldn't really see. He was just starting to – he had his brow tines, you know, maybe half grown. His G2s were just starting to grow, and his G3s were just popping a little bit, which I thought was crazy that early. You know, it was like the first week of June. I'd never seen a buck that big that early that developed. <clears throat> so we were home for a week. We go back up to Canada. So now we got to come back in July for – I think it was for – I forget what it was, something for football. So we come back. I pull the the camera cards, and now in July, his G2s are almost fully formed, and he's got – I can't remember how many stickers on his G2s between the two of them and his G3s. Uh, let's see. It would have been – well, there ended up being uh, – let's see. It was a mainframe 8 with 22 points. So, <laughs> so he had four, 14 scorable sticker points. And then he had a whole bunch of sticker points that weren't, you know, they they weren't an inch long. They weren't legally scorable. But it just looks ridiculous, you know. So he's got 14 scorable sticker points plus probably eight that are unscorable. And I'm just about shit my pants. And I don't know if you have to bleep that out or not. But no. no. <laughs> yeah, we would have shit our pants too. <laughs> oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So I've got – and it, it's – if I could tell you the story in person and show you the pictures that I saw, I mean, it was, you could get the full concept of what I'm saying. He didn't have any stickers in June, but in July, you know, a month later, it was, it would blow your mind. So I decided then that I, I'll be honest with you, I would have rather have given him another year or maybe even, I'll be perfectly honest. I'd rather he just died of old age and I kept finding the sheds. But I knew if a neighbor got pictures of him, the way he looked this year, they had to quit their job to hunt him because he looked <laughs> that big. Last year, he was 185, but he didn't really look – it wasn't like a – I mean, to most people, it would be a holy shit buck. But you wouldn't it wouldn't, you wouldn't become obsessed with it. This year, you would have looked at the trail camera picture. So anyhow, I decided it was just time to put him on the list even though he's only five and a half. Am I going too fast for you? No, yeah, this is perfect. Okay, so I decided – I'm only. I set a. I set my stand up there. It's the only stand I was going to hunt on the back eighty. I was only going to hunt it in the right wind. I got a big feeder back there to feed them year round. It holds twenty seven hundred pounds of whatever you put in it: corn, protein feed, whatever. But I put it far enough out in the food plot that you can't hunt it because I don't want to put pressure on it. And you know, and I talked myself into hunting over it and spooking him. So what I did was I set a trough over by my feeder or i'm sorry over by my stand away from my feeder just to kind of draw the deer over that were coming to my food plot and coming to the protein uh just close enough where i could get a shot at them you know so i could get them you know perfectly in front of me perfect broadside shot i even when i set my stand up i tied ropes to the trees around me and kind of pulled them down around me so i so i had just one little hole to shoot through because i knew there'd be or I, I envisioned there being 20 deer there when I was trying to draw back on stickers when it came in. Yeah. So I tried to get it all set up that way. So I hunted there. I couldn't hunt there Saturday opening day because the wind was wrong. So Sunday I hunt there. Bunch of does come in, bunch of bucks, nice bucks, young bucks, big whatever. But it wasn't stickers. Never came. It was hot as hell. So I left. You know, got out of there. I think it was the next, my buddy Chad from Tennessee was in town that weekend. And he, you know, heard the deal. I said, you you can hunt him too. Because they, they help out with some of the deer feed. Uh, him, my buddy Greg from Michigan helps out. And then my buddy Chad's uncle, who's from Alabama, he helps out too. Well, Greg already told me ahead of time. He said, look, you put in all the time and effort, you hunt him. Well, my buddy Chad was like, well, you know, <laughs> you have done all that, but I think I'm going to go ahead and try to. Anyhow, long story short, he hunted there the next day because the wind was right. I hunted a stand on the food plot on the food plot where I could watch and still have a chance, uh, but he didn't show up. It was another one of those deals that I don't know if you followed the weather at the beginning of this year, but uh, I don't know how it was in Illinois, but here in Ohio it was pretty hot. 
So that was opening weekend. So all week goes by. Nothing as far as wind-wise. I couldn't hunt it. Friday was the first day the wind was going to be right, but my son had a football game Friday night. And that same night, it was there was a cold front coming through. It was supposed to cool off. Now i got to back up again. I was getting pictures of stickers every, every single day in velvet before dark. Every day. Well, then he went hard-horned. And looking back on it, it probably had something to do with the heat, too. But he would just come. He was just coming at night or right after dark. Or, but he was coming, you know, three or four times throughout the night. And he's probably going to bed and down. Well, then when he went hard-horned, he would, he would sometimes, like once every couple days, he would show up before dark and then not come back for two days. Like, I wouldn't get a picture of him, which was unheard of, you know, based on the summertime. So anyhow, I get that Friday night. I'm at the football game. Next morning, I get up. I do my normal routine. I get up. I fill my bags of feed. I go out, feed all my spots, pull my cards, come back. Sure enough, he was there before dark on Friday. Well, I figured now he's going to probably disappear for two days. It's kind of the pattern he was on. But Saturday, where the wind was supposed to, you know, I could hunt it. And I hadn't been able to hunt it. And well, at that point, it had been a week. So I thought, well, I might as well go hunt it. The wind's right. It's cooled off now. It's, you know, it's 20 degrees cooler than it had been two days before that. So I'm sitting in the stand. You know, I've got very little confidence that anything's going to happen because I just figured he was going to do is disappear for two days routine. Sitting there, had what I thought was a great wind, but it must have been swirling. You know, I don't know how, but I had a doe early out my food plot doing two fawns snort and run off I was like, well that's that doesn't make any sense because i can as she's snorting at me i can feel the wind blowing from her to me she runs off you know 20 minutes goes by some more deer start coming back out i've got probably i don't know maybe four or five does at you know right there at the trough in front of me you know several of them out in the food plot which was 100 yards away let's say roughly and then some younger bucks came in. Well, they started getting skittish again, so the the wind must have swirled again. Started getting skittish. The does run down behind me, down the hill behind me, maybe 40 yards into the woods. And those bucks start heading back towards the trail where stickers usually comes out 95% of the time. So, you know, you start messing with yourself like okay they're you know even if if stickers is coming they're gonna run past him and spook him and you know you start doubting everything just human nature i guess so i'm watching down there you know there's no deer now there's no deer around they've all spooked and it's getting closer to dark so i'm staring down to my i got my stand set up so that i don't have to get up i shoot i hold my bow in my left hand like most people so I don't, I don't, I set it so I don't have to stand up and spin around or anything like that. I can shoot from sitting down. All I got to do is lean back, draw my bow, lean forward a little bit past the limbs. I pulled down and I'm good to go. So anyhow, I'm looking down to my right, expecting him to come from there if he's going to come. So I look out in front of me, out past the, you know, straight in front of me beyond the trough uh, is another wood line. It's a little bit thicker. And I see a doe come out. She kind of pokes her head out of the thicket and looks over at the trough. Well, the does behind me that had ran earlier were stomping, and it was real dry out. They were stomping in the leaves down there. You could hear them. So she kind of came out, poked her head out, heard them stomping, and just kind of slowly backed into the into the thicket. So I thought, okay, i got to remember she's there because, you know, I don't want to get busted drawing later if stickers happens to show. Well, what I thought was her popped her head back out, but a little bit to the right of where it was previously, maybe five yards to the right. But now it was behind some of those branches I pulled down. But in my mind, it was the same doe. So I didn't pay any attention to it. I just kind of mentally told myself, remember, she's there so she doesn't screw you up later. Still watching to my right. What I think is this doe is walking right towards the trough. But behind those branches, you know, it's obviously a deer, but beyond that, I couldn't tell. And it ended up being stickers. And he got within 
two steps of walking out. He came right at me, and then he had to make a 90-degree turn to my left, which would have been his right, to get out from behind the branches and get to the trough. So right at the last second, I'm looking through those leaves, you know, trying to keep an eye on this, what I think is a doe. I'm like, holy shit, I think this thing has antlers. So I got my binocs up. Now keep in mind, I since he's been hard-horned, even the daylight pictures, the rare ones I was getting, was that fine line between end of shooting light and when your infrared kicks on. So it was still daylight, but, every, but your infrared kicks on so that all the antlers look white. So I'm imagining him walking in with this big, gigantic white rack. Turns out he had a real dark rack. So I, even when I saw a little bit of antlers, I didn't think it was him because it wasn't dark. You know, the antlers weren't, I mean, I'm sorry, because they were dark, not white. But I put my binocs up and looked, and I just first, it only took a second, I knew it was him. So I I got this bino harness, so all I had to do was just kind of let go of my binocs. And I clipped my release on. <clears throat> he took a couple steps out from behind the tree limbs, and those does were still acting crazy down below me. He couldn't see him because the hill dropped off, but he kept looking. And it kept freaking me out because, I, in my mind, he was looking at me. <laughs> so I'm shitting my pants because I know three years of time and money and, you know, I'm getting ready to blow this. Because once I jump him, this is it. You know, he's going to come at night and that'll be the end of it. Because it's happened to me before. Not with him, but with other bucks that I was after. So he'd take two steps and then he'd snap his head over at me. I'd be like, oh, God, he's got me. Then he'd relax, and every time he'd relax and put his head forward to take another step towards that trough, I'd just get a little bit more ready. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Deer hunters know what I'm talking about. You just get a little more settled in. So finally, I, I drew back, and when I did, same deal. He snapped his head back, and I'm sure we've all been there. You draw back, the deer looks at you, you freak out. You know, you think, okay, he's going to just run immediately. So you start doing that deal where you try and push your pin into the vitals and squeeze the shot off. Well, I started to do that, and I've made the mistake multiple times before. And at the last second, I just caught myself. I was like, don't, don't freak out. He might be looking at these does. Anyhow, long story short, he was looking, not really long story short. It's kind of a long story. <laughs> he was looking at those does, and he, he relaxed again. I settled the pin in. Dumped him. I texted my son, who was hunting on the other end of the property, uh, who actually had texted me as Stickers was standing there. He texted me, I shot a doe. I didn't know this till afterwards, obviously, because I didn't check my phone. But he had just shot a doe with his bow, with his compound. So anyway, I texted him back. I said, I just shot Stickers. He said, I'm on my way. I, started, I texted him back. I'm paraphrasing. This is an exact text. As far This is as far as my recollection. Because I was pretty wound up. <clears throat> so I said, grab a flashlight. So he he said, did you get him? I said, I don't know. Grab a flashlight. So I hear the four-wheeler coming. When I heard the four-wheeler coming, I got down out, found my arrow. And I was going to start tracking, but I wanted him to be with me because he's been a part of this whole ordeal. So I, I waited on him. And I, thought, and I thought I heard him crash, too, prior to that. But I, I've shot five bucks where I thought I heard him crash. And then tracked him for two miles so i wasn't counting on what i heard so he showed up he forgot the flashlights <laughs> pulls, yeah he pulls up he goes dad you better not be messing with me i said son i swear to you i shot stickers i don't know how good i hit him but i i'm not messing with you i shot him because i play a lot of jokes with the kids that that i wouldn't mess around with but anyhow he didn't know that so we've got our cell phones, right? So we're tracking this, this 200-inch buck with freaking cell phone. And with the cell phone, you can't hardly see blood. So I was finding a drop and then a drop and then a drop. And I'm like, oh, God, it's got to be a gut shot or a whatever, a crappy shot. Because if it was a good shot, it'd be spraying everywhere, which looking back, it was. I just couldn't see it. So my son's behind me. And he's got his phone out too, and he's got it. He's videotaping. I didn't even know this. So I'll drop, drop, drop. And then he'd take his phone and shine up too. And all of a sudden, I, I decided I, I went like maybe 30 yards 
and I was just finding those drops, like I said. And I thought, you know what? I'm not doing the same thing I've done before where I jump them and, you know, track them forever. You know, I've done it before, too, where I've backed out and found them dead from a gut shot right there where they first bedded down. So anyhow, we're walking. He taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Dad, I see a, I see a deer up there. I see an eyeball. Now, we're walking down this four-wheeler trail. And on the left-hand side of the four-wheeler trail is maybe a 20-foot wide strip of thick stuff and then my food plot. And on the right-hand side of the four-wheeler trail is bedding area that I've hinge cut for the last 10 years, you know, every other year. So it's thicker than snot. So he goes, Dad, I see an eyeball. And it's just off the four-wheeler trail and that thick stuff. And so I shined with my light. And sure enough, there's an eyeball. But it was so thick, you couldn't tell if it was a deer laying there dead and see its eyeball or a live deer. Well, all of a sudden, then it turns and looks at us. I was like, oh, shit. I've gut shot him. we got to get out of here somehow without jumping. You know, once we jump him now, who knows how far he's going to go. So I kind of just real slowly, I didn't move my light at all. I didn't want to be too flashy with it. So I just kind of slowly lowered it and turned at the same time as I did stickers was laying there dead the the light panned on him and he was like three steps from us <laughs> man he had run down that trail you know how they stand there for a second and then they kind of do their flop thing their last their last hurrah well he must have just pushed himself into that thick stuff but sure as hell there he was right there wow man that would have been freaking too if i seen that eyeball move i'd have been like all right we're in trouble oh man my my gut fell i was like oh shit here we go again but it turned out to be a good shot. Nice. And he only went maybe fifty yards. Wow, man! I, we tr- we tried tracking with cell phone lights. We had yeah. we had a couple lights, but we were using our cell phones too. You can't see anything with that. <laughs> <No>. So <laughs> no, yeah, you literally can't see no, you nothing. See it yeah. Drop here and there. But man, when you think you put a good shot on a two hundred inch deer, you're like, well, we gotta we gotta find yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, so what did did you end up scoring him? I I rough scored him that night. You know, as soon as I got him back to the house, I, I, well, that night I text, before I even found him, I text Chad, my buddy Greg, said, hey, I just shot stickers. And they were pumped up. So anyhow, the word got out that I had shot him. So, like, my brother-in-law showed up. He brought people I didn't even know. Other people showed up. <laughs> so anyhow, I rough scored him that night, me and the neighbor, at 210. I Actually, I scored him with a cell phone charging cord that's what i use for my tape and then obviously a tape measure to measure the the cell phone cord and that's what i that's what i came up with that night was 210 but he ended up being 206 and 5 eighths uh guy ed wait from Buckmasters drove over from dayton uh, maybe a month later and scored him hey that's pretty good with the phone that's, cord <laughs> that's closer than we were when yeah. we did freeze yeah so props to you on the phone phone cord man that's a stat move i would have never thought about that but that worked out great but <laughs> well i couldn't find i couldn't find string and whatever the hell it is you, it takes to score them so i said well this will work yeah we're gonna pinch yeah so i mean he's a mainframe eight and he's 206 and some change that's just insane them sticker points everywhere you know um, yeah, it's uh, to see the rack in, in person is incredible. Like, like his G his G twos are bigger around than the main beams of my biggest buck prior to that. Wow, I knew I knew on the pictures I knew on the pictures the mass was just an incredible. Um, I mean, and, and it's hard to take it all in in a picture. You know, you're like, man, there's a lot going on. But uh, I've always liked mainframe eights, but. He doesn't even look like a mainframe eight. You can't even yeah. tell what he is because you're like, what What do I got going on here? <laughs> so I'm sure when yeah. you walked up on him, you were like, holy smokes. So Well, when I finally got him in my hands and held him up for Austin to look at, I was like, Once you, when you put your hands on his main beams, it was – the pictures didn't do him justice as far as mass. It was – it blew my mind. I've never – around here, the deer I've killed on this property have never had mass like that. It's crazy. It's it seems like, seems like most of the time you either get kickers and time length or mass and nothing else. And right. that one had mass, time length, and kickers. It had it all. So that's what it takes. Yeah, to... he had the whole package. Yeah. I would say his left beam is thicker than the tree that you're right by. It's, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. 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 When you look at it like that and compare it, 
people that look for that kind of stuff can tell it's it's got some serious mass. Other people that can't really do that have to actually hold it in their hand before they realize how much mass it had. Yeah, it's hard to tell from pictures on mass sometimes, but when you get something in your hand, you put it on your, your hand, you can't wrap your hands around it. You're like, okay, yeah, this has got... <laughs> we got something here. Yeah, we got something here. <laughs> but, yep. uh, man, that's awesome that you got to track it with your, your son like that. Um, you know, that's something we like to do is get our kids out there. And uh, I'm sure that's the biggest deer he's ever seen, probably the biggest deer you've ever had the opportunity to, to hunt and track. So that was a special moment you got oh, to yeah. spend right there. That's something you never, you, you neither will forget that, that eyeball and then the turning and then he's right there. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah. That's burned into my memory that it was, it was pretty wild. Um, how far apart were his sheds from when he was three and a half to four and a half where you found him? Where I found him? Yeah. Were they kind of in the same general area or were they by that bedding area? They were okay. At three and a half. He both years he dropped he would drop one shed and then two like two and a half weeks later he dropped the other which is odd for a big buck like that to carry one for that amount of time. So even though he dropped them at three and a half he dropped them two weeks apart, they were only probably two hundred yards from each other on the same trail, going from the bedding to the to where I was feeding them there. So then that, that was on let's say. It would have been on the what, one second here, what, southwest corner of that back 80 parcel. So that four and a half, I found same deal. I shed them two and a half weeks apart. Those I only found like 100 yards from each other. And that was on the, on the southeast corner of that property. So they were about, they were one ridge away from each other the, the, uh, between the two years, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty awesome. He really liked the winter there, and it seemed like when he got older, he stayed there a lot more because you said four and a half. You only had one sighting of him. So, well, only because we never we didn't hunt up oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't hunt the back 80, which was yeah. really it was, yeah, it was really smart idea. Yeah, really smart. If you're trying to grow a deer and you got the restraint to not chase something that you believe is 180. Yeah, or, and, you know, you have the land and, yeah. you know, you can still hunt and do everything that you want to do, but, you know, really just save that deer for the next year. Um, that's a that's a luxury not a lot of people yeah, have. It's you pretty know? epic. So. Yeah, you're right about that. But it's, it's if everybody followed that, and the problem is not everybody will, but if everybody just hunted deer based on their age, we we would all kill big bucks every year yeah i believe that too and some people hunt for different reasons and that's fine all i'm saying is if it were in a perfect world if everybody waited until they were at least five and a half we would kill especially out there in illinois imagine the rut with the three and a half year olds you know what i mean if no one killed (laughs) three and a half it'd be insane so and that's another thing too i've I've got several older bucks than him on the property that that back 88 pointer He's still alive. My son actually missed him on Monday, the Monday prior to the Saturday when I killed stickers. He missed him. He was trying to get in that stand. It was in the morning, and on his way there, he missed the back 88 point out of the same, you know, the same spot. Wow. But anyhow, the, I think the older bucks suppressed stickers a lot because he never broke a sticker off in three years, you know, so he wasn't fighting, and he wasn't a roamer. Like I never got pictures of him anywhere else on the property. Wow. And I think that helped a lot too, as far as him conserving energy all fall and all winter for him to grow even bigger the next year. Yeah. So there, I, there is definitely something to be said for having older age class structure on your property to suppress the younger bucks from running, you know, running themselves to death. After, after you did kill him, did anybody, any of your neighbors come out that they had pictures or anything like that? Yes. Yep. A guy who I haven't met to this day, but I've been texting back and forth with, he hunted. There's a guy that owns the property all the way around me, Gary Kimball. He owns 90% of my property line he owns. There's just a small small spot on the actually on the south end of that back 80. It's a rectangular piece of property, on the and the narrow is the north and, north and south borders of the narrow ends, you know, the shorter ones. And mm-hmm. other than Gary Kimball, there's one guy that just owns that south border. So after I killed stickers in the picture just went freaking crazy right so he texted me and said hey two years ago and last year i used to hunt there 
basically he just he just stopped hunting for personal reasons uh last year there at Kimball's but for 15 years prior to that he he was the only pretty much the only person that bow hunted it so anyhow he contacted me and said hey I've got stickers I got pictures of that buck I think he had a different name for it then he started sending me pictures of him. Then he started sending me pictures this guy I never met before or even heard of. I've seen his stands before because I can see his stands from the back 80 when I drive up there. So he sent me pictures of bucks that he'd killed that I had pictures of that just appeared. And he had pictures of stickers. And wow. it, was, it was a weird feeling for somebody else to send me pictures of what I considered my deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's like me. It's me and homie were like, man, this deer we're chasing, everybody knows about it. <laughs> you know, the whole county. Yeah. But after we killed it, no, no one had any pictures. Nope. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. But I always wondered that, like, you know, how, you know, did he walk past that other guy's stand? You know, did he miss him when he was five? You know, four. You know, I mean, it's just insane to think it all worked out in your favor, and you know, you got the shot opportunity on him. And that's something I want to yeah. talk about. Was you set the stage perfect? Um, we don't have to bait. We can't bait in Illinois, but the fact that you brought all those branches in and leaving one shot is smart in my mind because you are going to have a bunch of deer there feeding, you would think. So, I mean, even if we yeah, have two I, or three deer, to... it's hard to maneuver, you know, and I couldn't imagine having 20 at 25 yards. Yeah, it was, uh, I try to, I try to take every possible screw up out of the equation. Even hunting, I know it's, people consider it unethical to hunt him over bait but i this is a 200 inch deer i'm not taking the chance on just getting lucky and having to sit in the right spot i can't hunt scrape lines here or rub lines if i'm after a specific buck because i've got so many mature bucks that there's literally thousands of rubs on this property right now and hundreds and hundreds of scrapes so i couldn't just go sit on a rub line or scrape line and what I'm saying is I want to take all of – whether people think it's unethical or not to shoot him over bait, I want to make sure I had a perfect shot at him in a spot that I could get into and out of without spooking him because there's no there's no rub line or scrape line on my property I can hunt without at least jumping some deer to get there. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree, and the, the bad thing is is about the – you know, for you is if you don't bait and your neighbors do, then you're out of the game. You know what I mean? So – you know, yep. you, you got to put all the money and effort into baiting to be able to hold a deer because if not, they're going to go to the neighbors who is baiting. So me and homie, we yep. are, you know, we're not against it all. If we could bait in Illinois, we'd be baiting tomorrow. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yep. We, so it's just, it is whatever the law is, is it's free game in our mind. You know, you hunt however you want to hunt, but uh, I don't think it's unethical at all. We, we know a lot of people that have killed absolute giant deer over bait. It doesn't make it any less or any more. You know what I mean? It's just. They can do it, and we can't. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it just definitely takes some of the, the. Uh, well, I hate to say this, but it takes some of the hunting skill out of it, obviously. But leading up to that, took a lot of like, I had it set up so I would drive my four wheeler up there every day, feed them, and drive home same time every day. Boom, 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 every time for three years. When I was home, when I wasn't in Canada, when I was in Canada, I had my big feeder. So my idea was they get used to that. So I have, the day I killed stickers, I had my son drive me up. I, I put the feed out, and I got my stand. They're no more the wiser. If I'd have walked up there, I'd have been yeah. – it wouldn't have happened. I, yeah, I might I not have jumped him, but I would have I jumped deer that he would have jumped – or I would have jumped deer that would have jumped him eventually. You no, know, it just would have put everybody on edge deer-wise. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. If, if, if we go check our cams in the truck – deer be there in 20 minutes mm-hmm. after we leave if we check them on the foot walking around won't be there anything for a day or two you know <laughs> what i mean so yeah they, they get exactly used to right. that they i don't think they associate them with humans you know what i mean they just associate it with noise that they you know if they get used to it and it doesn't hurt them for the hundredth and fiftieth time they've heard it you know they just associate exactly. it with okay that that fool their sound is is food you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah um, but yeah, we know a lot of people that try to do that same time, same, you know, spot. And uh, it's almost natural to them, like, coming to a cornfield and there's a combine going. You know what I mean? They don't, yep, they don't exactly. really know. And I, and I don't just bait them. I, I supplemental feed them all year long. It's not like I, when bow season's over, I quit putting food out, you know. I, I keep it going year-round. So yeah, it, trying to keep the herd. Yeah, it's, and... it's an advantage, but 
It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. We like it I said, we out. would we would do it tomorrow. Uh, just being able to get all the trail cam pictures would be so epic. You know, what I mean, just to know what's on your property and consistently get those pictures. Like, okay, this buck is still here. He didn't get shot on the neighbors. Um, like we had a buck this year, a giant, you know, high one sixties class deer that was literally three, four hundred yards from us was killed three or four hundred yards from us, and we have one set of trail cam pictures of him. Yep. And he was probably on our property more than we even knew. But we just didn't have the trail cams in the spot that he was running, you know what I mean? So, yep. If we would have had a bait, you know, a bait site, we would have been like, okay, this deer's still alive. Let's hunt him. We were thinking, oh, that's deer's two miles <laughs> yeah. away, you know what I mean? We're not even making a game plan to hunt him when, in actuality, he was there the whole time. So, yep, I mean, it definitely makes a difference, and it keeps it keeps young bucks alive. Like even the three and a half, I rarely use lose a buck to the neighbors because when even the deer that bet on the neighbors, as soon as they get up, they're headed to my property. Yeah, nice. That's good. So they man. get here and they're, you know, they're safe once they get here. Yeah, for sure. Emma, is there anything that you learned um, after you killed him? You know that you didn't know before, like maybe where he's bedded or anything like that. Uh, I learned most of what I learned shed hunting. Like I, there were beds that I made specifically for him that I guarantee you he bedded in, only because I knew where the general area he was bedding because of the trails that I found his sheds on. So I, there's only certain areas back there, that basically my whole property, there's only certain areas that bucks bed in. Like there's certain areas that the does will bed in, and, and the does will kind of bed kind of anywhere, but not anywhere. Bucks have a specific set of circumstances that determine where, and this goes back 20 years when I was a little kid. There's still areas on my property I remember from when I was a little kid jumping bucks up out of. But anyhow, there's, there's a certain, and I don't know what the, circumstances are but there's a certain circumstances at least here in ohio in this area of ohio that a buck prefers to bet on so i knew on the back 80 the two areas well, i knew the one area for sure when he was three and a half because I, I found a sheds near there so i went in there and built a bunch of beds for him around some other beds that i'd found just to sweeten it up a little bit well then i found a sheds at four and a half on the other side of the back 80 and another area that once i Actually, I sat down in the buck bed that I found near his shed. I got to looking around, and I was like, oh, well, I can see why he bed here. It makes perfect sense. But anyhow, so yes, I did know, generally speaking, where he was bedding, only because there's only certain areas where on that back kitty and other parts of my property, there's only certain areas where the buck's bed. Yeah, we we can see that too is – if you find those sheds, it tells you so much of the story, not only that the deer is still alive, but okay, he's here in the winter, you know, where was he in the summer? Is he a winter summer buck? Is he one that's going to stick around? And, uh, if you can find the sheds in the winter, you know, if they're not on food and they're in thick stuff, you pretty much found them in his bedding or, you know, or close. Cause they're just not going to move that far in the winter. Yep, that's exactly right. To get you're to the exactly food. Right. So when you find that, you're too, like, okay, I got a good idea where this buck's at. Yeah. Yep. And then it's just a matter of uh, trying to intercept him, which is not easy. Damn near impossible most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> but you've been you've been talking about it. So you you run a camp in in Canada. Yep, a fishing fishing camp, and then I have bear hunters and moose hunters that come in oh, towards nice. the fall. Sweet. We Man. need to get on a bear hunt yeah, real stat. Bear hunt would be sweet. Canada bears. Are they, are they, are, do they taste pretty decent? Uh, they're, they're, uh, how do I say this? They're not like an Ohio corn-fed deer. But <laughs> <laughs> I've, never had, I've never had bears, so I'm interested, but. Well, I can be honest with you. At my camp, don't come there if you just want some tasty bear meat. Because there's other places that have agriculture that I'm sure that they taste a lot better. But the whole experience there is, and and really, bear hunts only about a tenth of a percentage of what I do there. It's it's almost exclusively for the fishermen. Yeah, I've been I looked at some pictures, man. You guys are knocking them down out there, so it's pretty sweet. But I know yeah, a lot of people you, that I went to high school with. There's a couple families that flew up to Canada and fished, um, so it'd definitely be a. All the fishing up there is it's incredible. 
All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on and telling us a story of stickers. I was curious right when I seen the picture online, and uh, I appreciate you coming on and letting every, other people hear this story and uh, getting the mystery out of the buck, the buck, just a picture of a buck. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's cool. Well, the bottom line is, if you try and do every, if if you try and do everything you can possibly do it correctly on your piece of property, it doesn't matter if it's twenty acres or two hundred and eighty acres, which is what we have here eventually the stars will align and you'll grow a giant and that's a good way to it's end just it a matter right of time yeah. just got to do everything right don't it's just, it's like everything else in life you get out of it what you put into it so if you half-ass it you're gonna have half-assed deer period yeah unless you're some lucky guy that has the right property in the right location which is very very rare all right, man. That the message right at the end really got me, man. We say that a lot, you know. If you you do what you got to do, you do it to the best of your abilities. Eventually, a big deer come by and give you an opportunity. What, what did Paul say? The theme's been uh, do whatever it takes. Do whatever or? it takes. Yeah, we had a listener that that shouted in and said, "You've been saying that a lot." I'm like, "Well, that me and homie been talking. That's the only way that we know how to kill deer. It's just do whatever it takes." You know. Yeah. Um, we tried so much new stuff, and some of it worked, and some of it didn't, and we know where we messed up, and uh, you just got to do what works. Even if it sounds dumb or don't sound right, if it works, yeah, just, 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 say do, that it's... just do it. So um, we really enjoyed this episode. We're going to be coming at you with some more legends. We are going to be recording a few episodes at ATA also um, with some special guests, so excited to bring those to you. Um, deer season's almost over for a lot of people, so... Uh, we appreciate the listeners that are still here clicking the <laughs> clicking the play button and uh, and still enjoying this ride with us. And do not forget, um, we are putting out at least one blog a week on the website. Um, and we're, we're really not holding back there. No. Um, a lot of our, I mean, it's all of our content, um, but a lot of video on there that's raw. Um, a lot of trail cam pics that we don't put on social um, are being used in the blog. So if you guys want to see some of these deer, um be sure to check it out when we release a blog yeah a lot of a lot of cool stuff we've been really digging in homie's been kicking ass on the blogs recently and uh it's a good place to if you i didn't i didn't think i would like reading but i, I enjoy reading yeah sometimes you know just you get to use your own imagination a little bit <laughs> right. and you get to think about it and instead of just listen to us talk over and over and over <laughs> <laughs> so whitetaillegacypodcast.com um there'll be a blog button up at the top you'll be able to um research or go back and look at any of the blogs we've done and yeah, there's got to be all the podcast episodes so are in there, there yeah now. there's there's yeah. a bunch so all right well get out there try to leave a legacy and white to legacy's out <laughs>